Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. Hey, welcome everybody. Whether you're watching right now online or you're at an in-person gatherings, because yes, we have restarted our gatherings on all of our campuses, which is why I want to give a shout out for our Bradford campus, our Leeds campus, our Belfast Northern Ireland, and Warsaw, Poland, all together right now in the Word of God, which includes everybody watching online. We want everybody to feel at home. And now we're going to kick off a brand new series called Letters from John, looking at 1, 2, and 3 John, and we're going to do this over the month of October. Let me talk about what that is and why we're doing it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever received an important letter? Maybe it's come in the mail, and you want this letter to come because it's from an important person, and it might have something inside that's crucial for you to read and to get, to get it. it might be a, if you're a university student, it might be a care package, right? It might be a document that you need that includes your driving license or something else, but whatever it is, it's important to you, and so when you, the postman comes, you're excited to open it. On the other side, of course, we know that junk mail comes because all this stuff comes through our letterbox, and the junk mail is from an anonymous source, and it's not written personally to us, and so we have to weed it all out and throw it away to get to what's really important. Well, life is a bit like that right now. We're filled with so much fear and, and, and white noise and static and junk around us. And it's, I think, God's heart for us to be able to process through the confusion as His people. And so that's why I wanted to talk about the letter from John, because this is not junk mail. This is not an anonymous source. No, this is the, the writer, the, the author, John. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, that's his qualifications. And this disciple who wrote the Gospel of John, and then he wrote 1, 2, 3 John, and the book of Revelations, has so much to say about living in difficult times. And, you know, just the other day, Charlotte and I were out for a walk, and we were talking about the pressures and the challenges and the circumstances that we're facing right now, the uncertainty into the future. And I immediately thought of John, because he navigated through so many things in his life. Think about this. When John wrote the Gospel of John, he was writing to those that did not know Christ. He was writing to the unbelievers. But when he writes 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he's writing that from about A.D. 90, somewhere around there. So in other words, he's the longest living of the original 12 disciples. He's the longest living apostle. And he starts off by, by making this incredible claim of being an eyewitness to Jesus, which we'll look at in a minute. But, but my point is, John knew what it was like to go through adversity. He had seen many, if not all, of the heartbreak in the early church. He had seen all of his peers go through devastation and death. Many of them were martyred. They had lost their lives because of what their faith um, from, their, from their demonstration and their belief. And when I think about what John endured and went through, I want to read the content of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John and unpack that 
over this next month for all of us so that we can discover how we can live in the uncertainty and the difficulty and the times which we're living in right now. So let me unpack this a little bit more because this is why I love the Bible so much, because the Bible speaks into our situation. I love the way the Bible can take our current circumstances and literally uh, through 1 John, you're going to see this, I hope, in a moment. It's going to come alive and give you sustenance. And the Bible is referred to as the bread. It's referred to as literally life itself. And when John began to write in the Gospel of John, he talks about how the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So that's how we know he's writing to those who didn't know Christ. He began to unpack who Jesus was. But now John is writing around 80, 90, as I've already said, from the perspective of he had seen the resurrection, he had seen the early church, and now he's writing to strengthen believers. He's writing as a father to help people get through adversity. And so he starts off in 1 John by saying this. From the very first day we were there, taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears and saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands and the word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. So here is John unpacking this and this phrase taking shape before us is what I wanted to focus on first. The first thing I wanted to say is, let the life of God take shape within you. And when I was thinking about this life taking shape within you, this is what John's focusing on, this, this infinite life. What does it mean to take shape? Taking shape means to solidify. It literally means to manifest. So when John is writing, he's writing as an eyewitness and he's writing as somebody, and he goes on to say in verse 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, I'm telling you all of this so that you can experience it. You see, the thing about being a Christian is this. God doesn't want us just to hear about life or to see life in other people. He wants you to experience life for yourselves. In whatever location you're living in, whatever you're going through, that the experience of Jesus is real, and it's gotten through all, it's gotten John through all of these years, and now he's writing and unpacking this. And I'm realizing what a privilege it is to have the infinite life of God inside of us. That infinite life of God is limitless. It's without capacity. And what that means is that infinite life never stops. Infinite life has the quality of eternity. And so letting this take shape in us changes the way we feel. It changes our emotions. When we let the Word of God take shape in us, we don't have to fear the future, or we don't have to be in panic about what's going on economically, politically, or in our environment today. No, instead, we can let the Word of God take shape and literally manifest so that hope comes out. And John goes on to say this. He says, our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too, that your joy will double our joy. 
Now I'm getting into the crux of what I really wanted to talk about. The motive, the reason why John is writing is so that we would know joy. You see, joy does not depend on our circumstances. Joy does not depend on our possessions. Joy comes from the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, he's resurrected, and he's ready to help you and I get through. Let's let that take shape. When our emotions take hold of that, stability comes. When our mind grabs hold of that, our mind becomes in peace. When we let that form our thinking, we have great hope for the future. When we let God's word and his promises and his power shape our mind and emotions, miracles will follow. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about Abraham for a minute. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, Abraham was called the father of many nations. But what impresses me so much about Abraham is this, that, that he dared to trust God and to do what only God could do. He believed that God could raise the dead to life. I mean, that, that thinking that had formed in him is what I'm talking about. He had taken shape and hold of God so that what was not could literally unfold before him. And the Bible goes on to say in Abraham's life that with a word, something came out of nothing. Hey, we're living in a time right now where we see so much of challenge and we see so much of fear that we need great things to come out of the situations that we're in. How are we going to do that? Well, we look again. We look at Abraham's life because here Abraham said, he said when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway and he decided to live not in the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but what on God said he would do. We need to let the words of God form within us. And I'm speaking to some of you right now. You're, you're, you're thinking about your future, but let's think about it from the right perspective. Because having this, this, this lens that we view life from means that we know that our ending point is going to be with Jesus in heaven. And when we approach life from that perspective, we let that viewpoint shape our life. Everything changes. You see, I love to watch some of my favorite sports teams play, but I must admit, what I like to do is to find out the score before I watch the game. So I'll often wait till the game finishes, find out the score, and if we win, I like to watch it. I like to go back and watch the game. But if we lose, I'm like, oh, go on to the next thing. Now, I'm saying that because life is like that when we process and let the Word of God take shape in us in this way. We are more than conquerors. We are going to be with Jesus forever in heaven. That is a fact. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that fact is something you can bedrock your life on. And that's what John is trying to get over to all of us. And that's why he said, your joy can be full. Your joy can be made more complete. So I'm asking you, how can you get more joy in your life? Well, joy comes from meditating on the Word of God. And that's what joy is. And, and joy comes from that place. And that's why when you have the Word of God growing in you, your joy increases. We need more joy. So we need to meditate more on the Word of God. We need more strength. So we need to let that joy manifest and take shape within us. 1 John um, verse 5 says this, 
This is the message that we have heard from him and declare that God is light and in him there is no more darkness. So let's think about that, right? We've already focused on how we let things take shape in us, but as things take shape and manifest, what happens is light and darkness begin to show up for what they are in our own lives. That's why my second point is this. Let the message eliminate darkness and illuminate life. Eliminate darkness, darkness and illuminate God's light. In our mood, in our mind, and our emotions, the Word of God will reveal things that need to change. They'll reveal things that we need to grow in. And this is a season where we need to be diligent about how we address our life. In other words, we need to be more like a gardener, I think. And, you know, over this lockdown, I'm six months into this. We're all six months into the lockdown now. And I've, I've developed a new hobby called gardening. I know it's, it's a little sad, but hey, when you're home, it's like, I hate to look at weeds. I just hate to see those things in my garden. And so I'll spend a day a week or half a day, whatever, just going out and weeding. But the thing is, for the last month or so, there hasn't been any weeds. You know, I look outside, I don't, don't need to do anything. Why? Because I've been diligent and now there's no more weed roots to be pulled out of the soil anymore. And I'm like, this is a good day. Well, when you let the life of God show light on your emotions and on your actions and on your mind, what happens is gradually your life begins to be transformed. And as your life is transformed, there's less room for the weeds and more room for the seeds. And this is the time when we need to replace the weeds with the right thinking, with the right positive, not just a mindset, but with faith to go forward into the future. And that's why 1 John 1.8 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So let's just pause for a minute. When you start to get your soul illuminated and light begins to shine, there are things you're going to have to eliminate. And in this season, we're all been eliminating things, eliminating all, all kinds of situations that we're not now involved in anymore. And it's giving us more time to be inflective and reflective. You know, this isn't going to change anytime soon. And so we need to find a way where we can build more light into our life and deal with other situations. You see, the Bible's so clear about this, that if we've made a mistake, we can go to Jesus. We can go to Jesus, find forgiveness, get a fresh start, and then move forward. And in the message version of this same scripture, 1 John 1, 8, it, it says here that, that Jesus is like a priest friend. You see, when we're talking about eliminating darkness, none of us have to feel condemnation. You may make, have made multiple mistakes over your life. Well, don't feel condemned about it because you have a priest friend in Jesus. And this is what John the Apostle wanted to get over to us. He knew Jesus as a friend. And he knew Jesus, that, that Jesus loved him and was for him. And I want you to know that too right now, church, on every campus, wherever you're watching from right now, Jesus is 
for you. He's your priest friend. You don't need to remember the mistakes you've made and be condemned about it, be depressed about it. No, instead of thinking about the mistakes you've made, hey, join humanity, right? We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall short of the glory of God. But we don't have to live there. Pull those weeds out. And if you've made mistakes in your life, tell yourself, I now know I'm going to make better choices into my future. I'm going to let the light of God shine. That's why Jesus wants to help us with our insecurities and our uncertainties and our confusion in life. We don't have to live in a sea of doubt and despair. No, those are, those are dark thoughts that we have to work hard to eliminate. How do we do that? We let the Word of God shine within us, which leads me to my last point, which is this. Let the Word of God live deeply. Live deeply. In other words, let the Word of God take root in your mind, in your soul, in your will, and your emotions, and apply it. And John wrote this, 1 John 2.24. Stay with what you've heard from the beginning, the original message. Let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both Son and Father. And this is exactly what Christ promised, eternal life, real life. So right now, you and I have to stay. We have to stay on the journey with Jesus. We have to stay just as we've started and let the Word of God sink in. Now, this is going to take time. It's going to take time to build into your life. I don't mean you have to spend an hour in the Word reading the Bible every day. I don't mean that. But I, what I mean is you, you think deeply about an aspect, about a thought, about a Bible scripture. Let it sink in. Let it soak in. Let it saturate your life until things begin to sprout out of you like hope and joy and love that I've already talked about. It's the deep deposit of God's life that we need going forward, church. We need a deep deposit of His presence. Because in the world we live in, there are so many around us, even those that know God, that are running on empty that are exhausted, that are weary, that are just in a place of frustration with the society, with the political situations that we see, with, with some of the racial prejudice issues that we see. And if we're going to be the salt and the light, we need to have a deposit deep enough into God that when those around us put a demand on us, we still have the power and the awareness and the awe and the sense of God within us. The more you meditate on the Word of God, the more you drive down His power and His presence deep into your soul. And that's why I wanted to focus on John, because he understood this principle. He reflected on Jesus. He reflected on, on his time with Jesus and reflected on what Jesus said. And what happened was he let that Word saturate inside of him. And so what came out of him was this incredible hope. Well, he wrote to young people in 1 John 2.14. He said, young people, I write to you because you are strong. The Word of God is in you. I mean, that is so important right now for anyone in university doing A-levels or in an educational system and you're trying to grow and to learn. You need to know that it's the Word of God that will make you strong, that He is with you as you study, as you think about the future, because that presence of God will help you build your life into stability. So give it time and stay in peace. As you read and you focus and you think about what John said, John wrote to older people and he said, older people, be fathers, be mothers. 
He talked to others. He said, hey, everybody, think of yourself as dear children. Think of yourself with a heavenly father who loves you completely. And as you think about your heavenly father who loves you completely, your life will begin to change and take on an aspect of grace and an aspect of his presence that will help you move forward with faith and boldness and courage and confidence. You see, here's John letting the word of God dwell in him deeply. And he, even though he has seen so much heartbreak in his generation. And remember, the temple Jerusalem was destroyed around AD 70. And, and remember all of his friends that he probably remembered that were martyred. And yet here he is pouring out love. Why? Because the infinite life of God had taken shape in him. And as he picked up his pen to write to you and I, I think he saw generations into the future knowing that there'd be persecution and struggles and all kinds of challenges for every single one of us. He writes to us, hold firm to the faith. Don't give up. Let the word of God dwell in you. Let it be a deposit. And as you think about that deposit, know this, that people around you, people that you love, people that you care about, they might be at a, in a work situation. They might be around you at university, wherever it is in life. It might be children that you're raising. In all of the situations, people need to make a withdrawal. And they're only going to be able to make a withdrawal of the presence of God and hope and peace. If you have a deposit in you and the word of God in you, then you'll have enough for people to come and make a withdrawal from you and they can run on that withdrawal, then that word will grow deeper in them. And listen, church, we need to make these deposits in all of our locations. I mean, right now, the university students are coming back to Leeds and to Bradford and into Belfast at Queen's University. All those places are getting filled again with people and those people are gonna come to us and they're gonna want to make a withdrawal. And if people come to us and want to make a withdrawal and we're already dry, and we're already in fear, then we're not going to have anything to share, anything to give, anything to impart to others. And so that's why I am so in a place right now where I'm intentional about the deposit of God. So I picked a place in my house. I picked a time, sometimes several times a day, when I just reflect and let the Word of God dwell richly in me. I meditate on who God says I am. Are you meditating on who God says you are? Or are there dark thoughts? Are there thoughts and insecurities that sweep into your life and, and want to carry you along with a tide of opinion or along the tide of peer pressure? No, you are not called to go along and get along. You are called to stand out. You are called exceptional. You are not a failure. Your God is with you and He is in you. He will take you from where you are and help unfold a new uncharted path into the future. As we enter into this back end of 2020, it doesn't have to define us as a year of depression. And I know we've gone through so many difficult things. But even in the tough times, we know that God is still with us. Even when it gets really hard, we know that God is still our Father. He is with us. He's ready with open arms. And John finishes 1 John 2, 29 by saying that he's ready to receive every single one of us with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. In other words, when you think about Jesus, you don't have to feel guilty. You are forgiven. You don't need to run away from God. We need to run to God. 
And if we feel any guilt or shame or condemnation, those are things we have to eliminate and rebirth in us the right way that God sees us. God doesn't look at you and think, oh gosh, there's my son, there's my daughter, they're messing up again. No, he doesn't feel like that. God says over you that you are his child. And just like we treat our children in the natural, we want to help them learn what's right and wrong. We want to help them make great, wise choices in life. But if we screw up, you know, because I've got, I've got two kids, two amazing kids, but when they make a mistake, I don't want to judge them and condemn them. I want to be right there so they know a father's love. And a father's love means that it shows up what's right and it shows up what's wrong. It's both to eliminate and it's both to illuminate. But of course, we got to understand that it's his love that should deeply deposit with every single one of us. So let's practice going deep. Let's practice letting the deposit of the word of God grow inside of each and every one of us. And to be able to do that practically as a church on every location and for all of you right now who would be a part of this amazing opportunity we have throughout the month of October, we want to describe what comes next to help us practically outwork the Word of God and let it grow deeply in us. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's Word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.